Hello and welcome to episode 24 of Who Writes This Stuff, a podcast that dares to ask the age-old question, who's the boss? I think it's Tony Danza. He's the boss, right? Uh, was it Angela? I don't know. Who knows? Nobody that is listening knows those references. My name is Nick Flora, and as it sometimes happens, I'm coming to you live on tape from my house in Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you for listening. Um, today on the show, if you know how to read, you already know who's on the show today. It's uh, singer-songwriter Dave Barnes, uh, which I'm very excited to finally get him on the show. We've been wrestling around trying to figure out... Uh, dates and, and schedules for several months now. We finally got it worked out. Uh, but before we get to that, I wanted to do a little bit of house cleaning up front. So I'm going to uh, queue up some house cleaning music. There we go. Uh, I have a few shows coming up uh, next week, Sunday, March 18th. I'm playing a house show in Norman, Oklahoma. If you would like to attend this house show, uh, please send an email with Norman House Show RSVP in the subject line to houseshow at nickflora.com and I'll get you info about that. Also, the next, uh, the following day, Monday, March 19th, I'm playing a show in Wichita, Kansas at Marantha with uh, the band Clarensaw. You can check out all my upcoming uh, tour dates. I have some in April and May. I'm going up the East Coast on a house show tour. Uh, all of those are posted at facebook.com slash infloramusic or you can uh, follow me on Tumblr at nickflorimusic.tumblr.com. I'll update that pretty frequently. Um, Also, I wanted to talk about this. A few weeks back, kind of on a whim, I started a sister blog site for this podcast called The Working Musician. And uh, I've tweeted a little bit about this, but I'm not sure how many people have actually uh, been aware of this. But uh, And and actually, Dave Barnes and I talk a little bit about this some on this week's episode. But uh, being a full-time musician has a lot of ups and downs and kind of weird quirks, as we've talked about almost every episode uh, of this podcast. And uh, and honestly, like a lot of them don't get highlighted like I think they should. So much of the music industry that does get highlighted are the extremely rich and successful uh, people um, like Lady Gaga or the kind of random dude in your office who plays bars on the weekends and won't uh, shut up about you coming to see his band. Uh, you know, and and I, I can relate to both of them, maybe a little bit more to the guy in your office than Lady Gaga, but uh, the working middle class musician, which I feel like I'm a part of, kind of we kind of get swept under the rug sometimes. And uh, so I started this blog, The Working Musician, which uh, you can find at theworkingmusician.tumblr.com. Uh, in which I'll update weekly uh, with elements and breakdowns of the working class of musicians. <clears throat> Some of what we talk about each week here on the podcast, too, just kind of more uh, direct and uh, formulated blog form instead of just free-flow free conversation. Uh, so if you're interested in that kind of thing, kind of a behind-the-curtains look, uh, if you will, uh, to what uh, most working musicians uh, go through, or if you're a musician yourself who wants to know that you aren't alone in your struggle to keep the work steady or your craft honed, uh, I think it's a good place to visit, and I, I think you'll enjoy what goes up there. Uh, also, if you're a musician who just who who really desperately wants to play out more and kind of get out of your day job, perhaps uh, I, I plan on posting a lot of stuff kind of about the transitioning into that and maybe making music music a more of a full time. Uh, thing, uh, which Dave Barnes and I actually talk about too. Uh, but uh, three posts into the blog, uh, and I've already gotten some hate mail from it, so I must be doing something right. Right? I mean, that's what I get for poking fun at Lady Gaga. Today on the show, as I mentioned, is Grammy-nominated singer-songwriter Dave Barnes. Uh, I've only known Dave casually in the musician community here in Nashville, but uh, I've been intrigued by him for years, actually. He's just one of those guys you hear about a lot, and uh, it seems like everybody likes him, and everybody's kind of championing him as a songwriter and, and an artist, and uh, he always has some kind of new iron cooking in the fire and, uh, and cool musical things around the corner, I feel like, uh, at all times. And, uh, and after my chat with him, I can see why everybody likes him so much, because he's so likable. Uh, seriously, couldn't be a nicer guy, uh, and a hard worker at that. So, uh, let's get into it. Here's my talk with Dave Barnes. You know, just go on YouTube for, right. or, you know, there's, there's no, like the internet distraction thing. I've had to like completely weed out because I'm like, I don't have time for this. That's exactly I, I, right. I have to fit in, you know, my nine hours or whatever right now and, well, and, it's, and to me, it's, a, it's a, like a God-instituted, you know, Bonhoeffer talks about it in Life Together, that idea of, like, everything contributes to everything else. Like, 
you need rest to, to yeah. work well. You need yeah. work to rest well. You need, and I think the older I get, I'm realizing like, you can't just write all the time. You can't be creative all the time because you need to, you need intake. You need reading time. You need even YouTube time sometimes yeah. to see people perform and be inspired. You need to be at home and playing with your kid, talking to your wife to, to write well. I mean, mm. you can't, and I think that's something that any of us who enjoy what we do in writing music you have to be really careful about because, you know, we I think it's easy to see a drop in form, if you will, due Absolutely. to over-obsession or a control freak part of like, no, I'm only valuable if I'm creating, mm-hmm. you know, and I think the older I get, I'm having to learn, like, you know, those gaps are valuable, as valuable, if not more valuable than what you're trying to make them into. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, well, if you see anybody else that, that has kind of a nine-to-five job, you know, they wake up in the morning and they, they do their morning rituals with the family and then they get in the car and they, they have like a 20 minute drive to work. Right. right. They're slowly like right. something happens there. They're slowly turning on their right. brain. They're right. getting mentally prepared right. for the work day. Right. They do the work day and then the, the ride home is the same way. Right. They mentally, they're shutting off the lights, if you will, or right. whatever. Right. And, and getting into like home mode again. Right. And they can completely enjoy that. And, and often like since I work from home and, you know, it, it, it's hard to that shift often can cause friction in the household because I, I, I can't really do all that. Well, you know, it's it, what you're speaking to, I think, is a valuable thing to talk about because it's like I, I have so many people that are singer-songwriters, girls and guys who are 19, 20, 21, 22, you know, young, and thinking like, you know, what is your advice? And the older I get, I'm like, you know, I'm going to give you a lot less advice about music and creativity than I am everything else. Yeah. Because... That stuff, in some ways, is the easiest because it, you know, if you've got a gift to do it, you kind of know what you're doing. You know, like you know what inspires you, and that'll that'll change as you get older. But for the most part, that's not as you get older. That's the easiest part of what you'll do. I promise. Mm-hmm. The rest is going to be how to be married, how to be a father or mother, how to um, find time to do what you're doing to protect your creative space to. Uh, you know, to be active, to read, to exercise, you know, those things that, that I think I always took for granted or thought, well, of course that'll make sense. I'm finding the older I get, that's probably the harder stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's the stuff nobody talks about in college when you're taking at Belmont, MTSU, wherever you're going, if they have recording industry classes that, or even with people, you know, that do music, you aren't sitting around going like, so tell me what it's like to be married and, and be a musician. Now, I'm having a lot more of, the, of those conversations now with younger dudes who are coming to me going, hey, man, I'm falling in love and I don't know how to do this. Yeah. And and so some wow. of it is time appropriate. So, you you know, you deal with it as it as life happens. But it's just funny because I feel like, and I get it, I totally get it. But it's like the younger you are, you're so focused on the occupational part of it you forget that the other part is just as hard. Mm-hmm. The juggling of your life and what does it look like to tour, even as a single dude or girl, you know, what is that life like and sleeping in a hotel room alone and doing a five-day run by yourself. You know, yeah. things that you just don't, that I see I see sneak up on a lot of people that I know. And all of a sudden they call you from the road or I call them from the road like, dude, I'm going crazy. I know. And so I wish there was a better sort of, singer-songwriter university for that stuff because I really believe that if people knew what this took there'd be a lot less there'd be a lot more hobbyist and a lot less occupationalist I absolutely agree do you know what I mean yeah because it's it's no joke I mean it's a as you know well it's such a it's such a it's a different kind of thing and it's seriously one of those things where I don't I don't know how often I, I say this out loud but I think it all the time I'm like what did I why did I choose this oh yeah I'm 30 I'm 10 years into doing this you know, off and on full time, but I'm just like, I, nobody's making me do that. I'm choosing, <laughs> I'm actively choosing to go into, and especially being an, uh, I'm a solely independent artist, like, you know, by design, a fragile creature. Right. And I'm fully every day going face to face with, with rejection. And, <laughs> and every day is prom, is like a prom. Invitation. Oh my gosh. I'm, it's the worst form of self abuse I could think yes. of is going into this as uh, like, I chose this. And so many days, like, I'll, you know, I'll just pass somebody, you know, I'm going to a gig and I'm passing people going home and I'm like, you lucky bastards. Oh my gosh. You get to go home and just turn on How I Met Your Mother and, and have Edge. a beer and laugh and hang out with your family and go to sleep and, and, but so many people come up to me at shows and they're like, I just want to do what you're doing. And I'm like, 
I don't think you understand. You want to do what you think I'm doing. Exactly. You don't want to do what I'm doing. Exactly. You know, you want to do what it appears that I'm doing. I know. You want to like, yeah, yeah. You think I wake up at noon and then I just come to a show and like crap out some songs and then right. have a couple beers and, and laughs and go home. Like, well, you know, the, and there's, there's two thoughts I have about that that I've thought a lot about in my 30s. I mean, kind of ad nauseum. One, it's exactly what you just said. People, people think it's like, oh, you crap out songs, you come and you do this, but... The, the, the live thing, when you've gotten to where you've substantiated a career, when your career is somewhat leveled off in a good way, mm-hmm. I don't mean in a, in a bad yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, but you hit your stride. You've got, yeah, you've yeah. kind of got going what you're going. I mean, a buddy of mine has said this, and I believe it's a blue-collar job these days. It's not that pr- crazy profitable you're living in mansions of Del no. Mead in Nashville. You know, it's a job, and so that, but it's a job that takes you away from your, from your home, from your family, from your friends from your life in whatever city you live in. And that's not to say it's bad, but it's just, it's not it's not that thing that when I was 21, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to get out there and play shows. I still love playing shows. I yeah. love being on stage. Of course. But, but it just changes. It's And I think anybody that has any occupation would tell you that. I think Kobe Bryant, if you sat down with him right now, we're like, how do you like playing basketball? He'd be like, I don't, it's not the same as when I was 22, no. 23. And that's not to say it's bad, but life changes. And I think that's why I have so many people, I know I referenced this before, but ask me like, you know, tell me about what you do. Like these 20, again, 18 to 21 year olds. How do you know it's what you, like, and the thing that I have to say over and over is like, this is a calling. So the question, the first question you have to ask yourself is, do you have to do this? Mm-hmm. You just said it about yourself, Nick. Like, you know, I I choose this day after day. If that's it, then do it. But if it is anything less than that, if it is anything less than a f- inferno in your chest that you have to yeah. do, don't do this. Yeah. Because it's it's just it is not for the faint of heart. You know, like I'm a huge soccer fan, and I look at guys who play in the English Premier League every weekend. I watch a lot of those games, and I think to myself all the time, like these guys gave up their life at really, most of the really amazing ones at 10 and 11 because the scouts would come to Argentina to, you know, to wherever they were living, uh, scout them, move their family to England, to Barcelona, to wherever. And their life for the next 15 years was, is soccer. And so they've given, so what you're seeing is, oh man, those guys play soccer. No, 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 no. Starting at 12, they were in soccer academy studying with other soccer players and and they moved their whole life to London, to Barcelona, to Madrid, to and you know wherever that and so it I'm sure they love it and it's a great thing but it's not just soccer this yeah. is something that they have sacrificed a lot to do but the ones who are really good and love it they love what they're doing and and they you know they love the game they love the competition so for me I feel like that about the, the music especially these days you know I got a girl that. I did an email interview this uh, morning when she had some questions. She was asking about Napster and LimeWire and all that stuff. And it's just, it's, things have just changed so much, you know. And so to do it these days, it just takes a different thing. It takes yeah. a lot more backbone and, and like you're saying, sort of always putting on the catcher's outfit and walking yes. out just I'm having like, people hit you with Nerf it's, That's exactly <laughs> what it is. And you just learn to adjust. You're just like, all right, like, I, that's the biggest, that's been the biggest or the biggest hump to overcome is, is this figuring out like how to just adjust to it. Like, yeah. and getting, I'm getting, you know, I'm starting to get up, I get up faster when I'm hit or let stuff just yeah. wash over me. I'm yeah. like, that's nothing. Or yeah. that was you know, like, it's such a cliche, but the phrase, uh, it's not, it's business. It's not personal. Yeah. Has like saved my life. Oh dude. So many, th- you know, and that was year, years ago, you know, I've always t- been told that and, and every time a booking agent or a venue or, or a promoter or any, you know, any, anything, what, whatever it is that I email and I get a no or I get nothing. I'm like, it's just, it didn't fit in. It's fine. Like, yeah. it, or it'll work out when it was supposed to work out. But, uh, I always equate this job to when I was 16, I really wanted to work at the video store in our town. Mm. I, I, I grew up in a small town and it was, this was the place that I wanted to go. Uh, if you look around my room, you see, I, I like movies a lot, but I, but that's where I wanted to be. I wanted to just work there so badly. And my dad was like, be careful because if you start working there, you might start seeing behind the curtain a little too much and you might hate being at that place. Right. He was absolutely right because I got a job there and like, I didn't like the manager and it was just like this, Oh, like I was like, why do I have to be here? And it ruined like a special place Mm. or, you know, and that's a little bit what, you know, pursuing music, whatever is a little bit like that. Cause you, as much as now I I love seeing kind of all the goings on behind the Mm. scenes and everything, you know, but you have to like, prepare yourself for the truth of everything like it's gonna be it's 
when I set out to do this when I was 16 or whatever, like I, you know, I didn't know the ugly parts of it and you don't know the kind well, of ugly you, parts of you, it. But. And you said it perfectly driving over here this morning, driving over this morning, I was thinking, when was the last time I listened to a record non-critically? And I literally, I think I got back to probably my senior year of college. And that was the last time because wow. I wasn't doing it as a profession that I would get records and still fanboy out. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you know, like, Gosh, it, I haven't done that in forever. That, you know what I mean? But it's the same thing you're saying about that, that thing. And I think that's what's, you know, again, speaking to those people who are like, but I want to do it for a living. I'm like, do, do what you have to do. But it will change if because being a hobbyist you can still navigate in it and still enjoy things mm-hmm. that i think people who do it as an occupation we we you just lose and it's not yeah. because you're a negative person who suddenly sees the world no, through a gray uh-uh. lens but it's just it you do get behind the curtain and and you start to see how things work and how people are and how music is and how payment works and how people at clubs work. Mm-hmm. And your fans can be, and all of a sudden it's like, wow, this is not as cool as I thought this. Even was. seeing live shows, like, I'm oh like, yeah, I know that that guy probably, you know, you think yep. like I remember being a kid and going to see uh, like bigger acts or whatever, and being like, oh, I wonder what, wonder, what, I want to talk to those guys about what it's like being on a record label. Those yeah. guys aren't on a record label. Yeah. Paul Simon's on a record right, label. Right, those right, guys are hired right, hands. Right, you know, it's like right. all this insane. Like I, I had no idea. You know, I didn't know that. You, you know, as a kid, like, I didn't know you could book a show unless you were on a record label, period. I didn't know, like, I could talk to my youth pastor and play a show at my church. Right, right, For my right, youth group, right, unless right, I was on right. You know, it's just going from, like, the bare minimum of, of, like, knowledge to, like, and now, like, oh, I want to know everything and reading Rolling Stone and then the internet coming into it, just, like, learning everything. Right. It, it changes you and you're like, yeah. it's not, a, it's not, but the, the amazing thing is, as much as you can know, when you get on stage mm. or you like you write a song and it comes out of nowhere like those little magic moments happen it's like oh th- this is the best it is dude. this is the best like i can't yeah. believe this is what i do as much as i can <laughs> it's a warn people I'm, I'm also like dude it is the strongest it drug is the best yeah absolutely take. and 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 those magic moments i i mean i guess they can go away i guess I, you know but i'm i'm a decade in and i'm just like gosh whenever that still happens to this day like, you know, I wake up in the morning, I write a, I write a song that I'm, like, stoked about. The rest of the day, uh, for me, is made. Like, oh, I'm just yeah. Like, oh. If not the week, that's if incredible. you're doing well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know. It's crazy. This is not the way I thought that this would be. With me holding back something that isn't love. Generosity. Not fists up and pumping. Rapping, man. Just riffing, like... man. Just riffing in the key of life. You yeah, know you, just, you just went to the Grammys. I did. Is that your first time? Uh, it was. It was, and hopefully, <laughs> hopefully it was in my last. <laughs> really? What was that like? Just as an um, experience, what, what was all that? You know that? what was really, the image, the sort of image that defined it the most to me was, you know, my, my the award that I was up for, the Grammy I was up for, yeah. was for the, in the pre-telecast, so okay. like... You know, you have a, you have some heavy hitters in there, but most of the untouchables don't don't go to that. Although Adele won and was there and accepted, which was really cool. Oh, cool. But it really is just a huge, huge kind of like like gymnasium times two that they've spruced up, made really nice, and then just tons of chairs and then a stage. So it's mm-hmm. really non plus. Like it's not yeah. you you know won't blow your mind. And so there's this really beautiful like. I don't know. It's like it's like seeing stars without their makeup in the mm-hmm. sense that it was like sitting in this room going, oh, like two rows up, it's all of the Mumford Son guys, and then five people to my right. I think that's Boney Bear or the you know Justin yeah. from Boney Bear yeah. and his girlfriend, and then afterwards everybody was hanging out in the lobby like it was high school. Like there were no there were no fans. So you know, literally, I saw Justin talk, and and I'm not like necessarily a huge fan of his or the Mumford Son guys, but it was just cool to be like, that's so cool that though that that they're just people, they're yeah. hanging, and then I look over yeah. and see 
some of the band guys from whatever band or were, you know, Adele for a minute kind of hanging, talking yeah. to her man. And you're just like, this is what I do like about this scene is that it's a safe place for everybody to be like, hey, we're just people. And this is a really huge gathering that we've all come to to honor each other. But, you know, that, that was a scene that I'll always remember because I just remember thinking, that's so cool that nobody is... Like, it's like, it's not like everybody's over each other, but there's this kind of like beautiful indifference. Like, yeah. oh yeah, look, there's the guys with the cool. Let's keep yeah. going. We got to go get something to eat. That's the way it's been. I moved here uh, to Nashville five years ago, and that's <clears throat> almost immediately. Like, you know, you see a few people in town that you're like, holy crap, is that Jack White? You know, yeah, that kind of yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what's cool. And like, I, there's a little bit of that that never really goes away. But then there's, there's a point where you're just like, oh, cool. Yeah. yeah, like it just got like, but it is a cool reminder coming from a place, you know, I, I grew up in a small town in Arkansas where I grew up, like, mm-hmm. I, that it's just like, oh, cool, like I'm doing something, I'm a part of this whole like mm-hmm. thing that's moving. Yes. You know, the, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a cog in this wheel. Yeah. That, that's really fun. And that, you know, if anything, it just reminds me that, oh, I'm doing this for a living. Like I'm actually doing it. Like yeah. I'm not, you yeah. know, just some kid playing coffee shops. Right. Like I'm actually kind of doing something and I'm a part of this as well as them. So right. you know, any kind of gathering like that is, you know. Where you see a bunch of people like that, it's got to be similar. Oh my gosh, yeah, it was it was really it was really cool and really crazy. I mean, do you do you find yourself? We just talked about this a little bit. Do you find yourself getting starstruck, whatever that means, any any more about it over any anybody like? Oh, not, not dude, just like the Grammys, sure. but just like when you run into. Well, people? you know, the, there's a little bit of that. Like, you know, I, th- I think one of the things I tried to think about this is like, what is it that makes somebody starstruck? And then I was like, what does it makes me? And I think at the bottom of it, at the very bottom of it, is the feeling of I'm somehow at the same place as this person is right now, and they're right there, and I'm right here, and they're this larger than life personality that's internationally known. Right. So there was like, you know, as Lady Gaga is passing by us, I'm taking pictures. Well, yeah. And I was like, why am I taking pictures? Well, she's just this, you know, she's this phenomenon and she was wearing something crazy, which I was like, I really? Have to oh, yeah. Wait, yeah. Lady Gaga? Isn't that funny? Yeah. I thought she just wore a beautiful you, prom dress. I don't think you have the name right, but okay. But uh, <laughs> Gaga. <laughs> oh, that's right. Um, Gaga? Gaga, yeah. But she, so, you know, yeah, and there were a couple times where I passed some people and I was like, oh, dude, I think that was so and so. And it was like, oh, that's kind of cool. But, um, but yeah, it's like I was fifty times more starstruck when I met Steve Winwood at the Green Hills Mall the other day. You know, that's when yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah. "Oh my gosh, you are a legend!" <laughs> right, right. You know, and you're in Nashville, and we're at the mall, and his daughter is is uh, a fan of mine, and his wife. That's gotta be so. It's just a this, weird thing. that stuff really blows my mind. That's when I'm I'm like the most kind of like. Uh, buh, 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 I wanted to ask you about that because you probably you probably reached this level of status where more well-known, I don't, I'm not crazy about the term famous, but just more well-known people probably are fans of yours, uh, you know, and, and either make that known or, or you meet them and they, and they're like, oh yeah, like they already know who you are. That's gotta be a trip. Well, the thing that, you know, like people ask me every now and then like, you know, and in fact with this record, I think the most, cause now that I've been doing it a decade, there's a little bit of the retrospective thing that happens. Like, man, when you look back at your career and and are you happy with it? And do you feel like it's been successful and stuff? And and for me, you know, like the fact that people come to shows, the fact that I'm still able to do this professionally, the fact that I'm still on the label and all these things help mark that for sure. They're kind of nice, like, oh, okay, this shows that something has happened of some mm-hmm. significance. Yeah. But I think of all of it, what you're saying is like those moments, you know, like I met Bonnie Raitt like five years ago in Nashville at a coffee shop. And she is one of my like, Whole, like sort of trinities like it's oh, her yeah. Stevie Wonder and met her and, and was giving her a record and she was kind of in a hurry and until I said my name and she spins it around and looks at me she's like you're Dave Barnes and I was like I thought I was in trouble I was like oh shoot like I'm on the <laughs> most wanted or watch list you know yeah and she's like oh my gosh gives me this huge hug you know I just got through listening to your record the other day and I was like what does this happen you know and so uh, those are the moments that I that I'm like this this is really cool. Like this is mm-hmm. the stuff that I'll that if if uh, you know the Lord came down and some huge you know like riding a unicorn was like you're not supposed to do music anymore. Oh my God! I'd be like, okay, that sucks. But I've had enough of those things happen to me that I feel extremely validated. And yeah, like, you know. So and, those and, are the and that's what that it is. Like a lot of people, like you know, get down on on you know we'll would call that story like a name dropping story and right. what you know and it's not gross it's just it's just one of those things where it's a validation thing and i feel like as artists we're constantly looking for it in one way or another right. 
and and so it's it's just nice to have somebody that you're like, oh man, like I respect you so much, and the oh fact that gosh. you just said a kind word to me, period. Yeah is mind-blowing. Well, too, and... I think, you know, like, artistry and sort of ego or whatever, to, in my head, lives on a hit, lives on the top of a mountain. It's like, you're either going, one way is going to be toward believing the hype, and the other is remembering who you are and where you're from. Yeah. And so for me, if I can stay on the side of, I grew up in a town of 8,000 people in Mississippi, that's what you hear me geeking out about. Not yeah. the other side of, like, I knew I was good and you knew that. It's like... I literally went to a high school where my class was 60 people. And you, who I listened to in those moments, so I was on the BMG Music Club and got Nick of Time and like yes. wore the hell <laughs> yes. out of that record. Yes. You're standing in a coffee shop looking at me going, your music made it to me and then I liked it. That's, yeah, that's, that's what massive. you hear me saying. It's yeah. not like, yeah, I'm pretty good. It was just a matter of time. That is not no, it at all. I know. You know, so for me, it's I, th- I think that's the thing, and I think I have to be careful of when I communicate that stuff because people are like, "Oh, cool, you met her," and I'm like, "No, no, no dude, here's you're seven year old me. You don't understand exactly twelve year old me going like, I can't believe you know like it's all yeah. Every time I, I have a moment like that, it's always fifteen year old me. Yes, freaking out. I, yeah, I guess I've never thought of it that way. That's the way I had to translate yeah. it over. You know, yeah. like I get to be in the same yeah, and just what you said, like in the same presence of this person there's well, no like well of course you know who i am <laughs> yeah like <laughs> well good it's about time you know and i just threw your cd out my window now yeah that's, that's i don't want to know who you are anymore dave barnes oh my for gosh sure, sure. uh you said you grew up in mississippi mm-hmm. where in mississippi a place called kosciuszko yeah it's really small but you know one of the fun facts about kosciuszko it's also where the oprah was born really yeah okay yeah She's uh, which is really funny because she's a international superstar. Yeah, but she's from this tiny town. She's from the. She was born in the same town mm-hmm. as you. I wasn't born there. We moved there when I was like okay. six. But you're from but, there. But right? we're exports. That, yeah, that's crazy. So you and Oprah now you have a not you have an in if you ever. And we her. tried that angle with her show. Apparently they didn't respond to that as oh. well as we did. Oh, um, well, mildly successful singer. So, well, I'm the same place you are. That's Come great. on, you? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Dave Barnes is, is he an African American woman? <laughs> He's not okay. We're not gonna have mom. Davida, yeah, Vita <laughs> Barnes. That's yeah. what, that's the English show. Took her dad lives down the street, or really, his shop is down the street. Uh, whatever. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about, because we have a mutual interest in this, is uh, you do stand up comedy, or you have done it before. Mm-hmm. What? Where did this come from? You know, it it really came from the fact that I just had enough people at shows, kind of going like. Dude, it's it's funny some of the time when you talk on stage. Why don't you do that? Why don't you just do that? And and it was a few years of that. Like and and not meaning like years of people saying it, but like I would just intermittently have somebody that I trusted and I didn't think was lying to me go, "Man, this would be funny to see you do that." And so about 3 or 4 years ago, I uh I just, I did a couple shows at Mongo Java in Nashville. Just by yourself? Yeah, just upstairs. And, you know, I, I, I love Bill Cosby's humor for a lot of reasons. But one of them is that he's not a, there aren't, it's not a gag. It's just a dude that's funny talking. Right. And so my thing was, if I'm going to, if I'm going to do this, I'd rather be that than the guy who's like, you know, sticky or like, because like, you know, since then people in these interviews on radio be like, cool, so give us a joke. And I'm like, yeah, that's not that's really not what it role. is. So... You know, my thing was, I'd rather just be known as a funny dude, and he's going to be over there at this place, let's go listen to him be funny, than mm-hmm. like, you know, a guy who's like, uh, you know, he has this really funny uh, bit that he does on this, and it ha- and it has to turn into that at some point. I mean, even Cosby, you know, you, he has the Fat Albert bit, or right. he has the, you know, whatever. The Noah bit. Yeah, the Noah bit. Yeah. So there are bits, <laughs> but it's not bits in the sense of like... There's a payoff. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's kind of like the whole thing is funny. It's almost like you could tell the guys like Cosby were just funny guys. And, and probably everybody in their neighborhood was, you know, like kids are funny and he probably just like honed it and kind of ran with yeah. it. It was like, oh, I can like force this a little bit more, put a little more structure around it and actually yeah. be funny yeah. in conversation and be like, make it work every night. Yeah. And, and obviously he's got a massive skill set. So it's not that he's yeah. just that, like you're saying. He, he but that's probably where it good. started. For sure. And so for me, I, that's, I was like... If I'm gonna do it, I'd like to do it that way. That it's kind of fun and yeah. like, it doesn't feel like me trying to be funny. Well, did like, it feel in a way like you were starting? Up? I mean, you've done a few like stand-up shows. Did oh it yeah. Feel. 
I mean, I, in a way, I mean, I know you've done some shows at the Bell Court here in town. And there's a cushion because everybody's kind of on your side. Oh, yeah. Which is uh, why I haven't really traveled from Nashville. Yeah, yeah. But there's got to be a level of like, okay, the guitar isn't going to be there. Right. You know, because I do the same thing. Like, what you basically what you just said is me as mm-hmm. well. And I've been, th- and I've done it a little bit. I've started like taking time at my shows to just like kind of put the guitar down and do like five minutes of stuff. Something that I worked up on my way into town. Right, right. Um, I, I'm going to, at some point this year, I'm going to put the guitar down and I would just want to straight up do it. And I just, I'm trying to, and I, but the level of like anxiety that comes with that is, is enough to, that's keeping me from doing it. Like if it. we talk about it long <laughs> enough right now, you'll see me start to sweat. Yeah. Just because the, 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 the trick with stand up is, you, you know, music, it's like Sting, right? Let's say Sting, you know, you have the comedian, the Jerry Seinfeld yeah, movie, yeah, yeah. That, that was one of the most illuminating movies because you're either funny or you're not. It doesn't matter your pedigree. It doesn't matter who you are. It's either funny or it's not funny. Sting can come in and play a new song that sucks, but his voice is still cool. He's still a cool guitar player. So it's still a win, even if it's 50% to 60% win. Jerry Seinfeld can be not funny. Yeah. He can fail. Oh, he's even in that he, movie, he's, yeah, he, he bombs. bombs. <laughs> and so that's what's tricky about stand-up is it, 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 you have to have a roadmap. You have to have... Here's how I'm getting out of this and into this. And even if you don't have that, you have to be funny enough and confident enough that people don't feel awkward. That they aren't watching you going, oh, he doesn't know what's happening next. Because yeah. you know? I saw a comedian I loved the other day, or about a year ago at the Ryman, and it was just obvious he, there was, he was doing some new bits that he hadn't worked out, and I felt really uneasy. And he is hysterical. And so it's... It is Brian Regan? Yeah. And it was great, but yeah. there was just a couple times I was like, man, I'm watching him not know what to do, and I'm insanely uncomfortable. Yeah. And so, and, and that's really more my per- personality in a lot of ways, too. But it was interesting because I was like, man, like, you you have to have your wits about you. Because if, if like, when I've done it, I always have a huge set list. I have, like, 10 sheets of, like, 30-point oh, really? font of just headings. Kind of like, I'm going to go from the married bit to the... Friends with babies bit right. to the babies bit to the growing up bit to the so I at least have some sense of where like, the flow exactly. is exactly because it's I mean it, you can have three seconds of awkwardness on stage that can feel like an hour and a half yeah to your audience they're like oh god what's he doing you know so you and if you have that panic <laughs> oh eye, done. it translates immediately there's nothing you have to a straight, behind you have it the whole yeah. time you're just shooting you have a yeah. straight line to yeah. them yep with everything you're translating so like that first so time that happens. it can be extremely terrifying i mean i've never in my life ever in my life ever of all time been as nervous as i was before i did my first stand-up thing at the bell court i've never been that nervous i mean i was handshaking almost had to is that your that. first time on stage or is that or you said you went to bongo and you did something i did there. those which is different because it was like 50 people a night but this was for 400 at the bell yeah court sold yeah, out. yeah yeah so i was like so i was terrified man i was so scared everything is beautiful the cotton fields the open road the radio plays a song we both know we don't sing along. La 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 la. These little lies. La 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 la. These little lies. La 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 la. These little lies. La 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 la. These little lies. I'm always interested in this because I kind of came from a smaller town as well. What kind of turned on? the music switch as far as like, or performance switch or, you know, as a kid. You know, like, I just noticed that I took to it pretty well. Like it was one of those things like, well, I seem to have a propensity in this. I played drums growing up and, and, um, then when we moved to Knoxville when I was in high school, I joined like a band that we go play shows and we wrote our own material. And, And then I got to college and the drum thing, I minored in percussion at MTSU in that time, I just noticed that drums wasn't fueling. It was like it, it was like I'd found something on the periphery, but it wasn't. And I was like, okay, this isn't it, but it's something like this. Yeah. And then so writing and and playing sort of then, that that's kind of how it was kind of a long trail me a me that meandered a bit before it was like ah here it is it's it's songwriting and then from there honestly the singing thing came later because songwriting was really the gateway drug. Oh really? Yeah, it was. That was the thing that I took to the most and still do. And I love to sing and I love being an artist, but from the very beginning, my passion was always to write, and it still is. I've been a walking heartache, I've made a 
mess with me The person that I've been lately Ain't who I wanna be talk about being a songwriter and now like this with Blake Shelton recording the song uh, God Gave Me You and and everything and is are, are you comfortable wearing both hats are you fine with like somebody else still kind of recording your song or is there no I love it I mean okay. it's it's so funny that that's one that's one of my favorite things to talk about these days is the fact that I think a lot of people didn't know how I started and I don't yeah, know why true. they would and yeah. so for me, a lot of I've had so many people be like, "Hey, are you, were you cool with that?" And obviously, they didn't know the financial implications. That anybody did. They'd be like, "Well, I don't care if you aren't cool with it. That's gonna be a great thing." For you. I know. But not knowing that, they were just like, "Hey, is it cool? Because did you steal it and all that stuff?" And so, the funniest thing with me and this, I love being able to explain this to people is like, you know, that's when I was 19 years old at MTSU. I was listening to Brian White and How Ketchum and all these country artists, thinking, "Man, I'd love to be Skip Ewing. Man, I'd love mm-hmm. to be." these guys who get to write songs for other people because that's all I knew and that was the way I got in. So it was my first passion. It was the first thing I was like, man, if I could get to write songs every day, that'd be the coolest life ever. And so from then, and that's what's so funny about my artistry is like, and I think that's what maybe has been some of my self-sabotage in maybe even subliminal ways is I didn't get into this to be famous. I didn't get into this to even be an artist. I wanted to write for other people, yeah. and then God had this really cool thing He did where, the more I sang, the better I got, and people weren't offended by it. And then, you know, my artist thing just took off, and I've loved it, and I always want to be an artist. But it wasn't necessarily something that I wanted to do from the beginning. It was something that was this beautiful byproduct yeah. of, of this gift set that I didn't even know I had. And so, and I still wonder if I do, but. uh but so for me, the, the writing thing has always been home base. I mean, you know, they were, man, especially before I got married, but like up to about four years ago, I was writing almost every day. Wow. Just because I'm, I mean, and not Just really, to write? Because I loved it. It was like exercise to me. It was like, if I don't do this, mm-hmm. I, you know, it's like I get my brain get out of shape. crapped up and yeah. I can't you get out of shape. And, and, I, and I was just obsessed. I loved it. And now life is just so busy that, and kind of what we talked to at the very beginning mm-hmm. of you and I sitting down today was, you know, you realize you, the more you do something, the better you get at it, but the more you need space for it because you've just done it so much. The well isn't always, you know, there's not always water in the well That's these true. days. And so, um, so you know, it's, it's a lot less these days. My passion board has not waned a bit. It's just my, the practicality of what I do. It's, it had to change. And so... Uh, so it's it's for me. I've loved that when he cut that. It felt again. We talked about fifteen year old self. My my yeah. nineteen year old Dave was going bat crazy. Yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah. oh my gosh, this is it. This is why I moved to this town. Yeah, this is why I went to MTSU. I can't or you know starting freshman year. Why why what became such a passion? So for me, it's so funny because it it sort of awakened again something that had been very dormant in my in my life, which was this passion to do that to passion and I've been writing for other people the entirety of my career and had cuts and stuff but but not in any huge fashion but that has always been something that's happened but not mm-hmm. to the degree I wish it could have uh, because the artist thing has needed to take more attention and, and has so I think these days it's been fun because you know the artist thing you just never know how long that'll last but mm-hmm. writing you can do until you're on your oh, yeah. deathbed so you, you never have to retire you never really. have to, that's you a great way to keep, say it just, you just keep, keep doing it and so for me, it's been really tricky this the last season because it's like trying to juggle, you know, doing what I do for myself and then also trying to be a good steward of this new opportunity with Blake and mm-hmm. having other people in Nashville that already knew who I was because this is my biggest market. But now seeing that what I do can be profitable yeah. for them and their artists. Um, so, so it's been tricky, but it's been, I've loved juggling both. I think it is extremely hard and I'm learning like it's just really tough to do because... 
there's not two wells. You don't have yeah. the co-writing well. I thought you did the co-writing well and the artist well. It really is you're going to the same place if you're doing it well. Yeah, uh, which is plenty. Well, and, well, well. Thank you. It's well, the well, well. It's the how well do you write from the well? But um, <laughs> so I'm having to learn that. So it's tricky because I, I imagine when I get around to writing for my next record, I'm gonna have to slow the co-writing thing way down. So yeah. To that. Can the reservoir can build a little before I start to tell. That was a huge thing when I started co-writing is trying to, because it's a tricky thing, like, you know, trying to figure out, like, like I realized very quickly that I was holding some stuff back. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to give this dude oh, no, this, no. like, I, you know, and, but which is so silly because honestly, if you're good, it's not, it's not going to go away. Like, let right. people, let people take it. Like, you know, and, but there was always that thing in the back of my mind where I was like, well, I, I want to have my best stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want this, you know, what if this guy's the best stuff? And I was like, well, I just have to be better than that. And yeah, and it is a cool instrument of like forcing yourself to, to be better and to like, and to, to write more and to push yourself to another level, which I feel like being an artist is, is so entrepreneurial. You, you have to kind of, since we are, a lot of us are our own bosses, like yeah. force ourselves to, to get out there and, 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 go to new heights as far as like well I creativity. think you know it's so funny you say that Nick because this, this new record was the manifestation of all you just said because it was like God Gave Me You had just you know when I was writing for this new record God Gave Me You was starting as a single starting to really you know it was flying up the charts and had so much response yeah so it was this this thing in my head and heart that, that was becoming true a suspicion of like can I write songs that are universal and people really enjoy and also at the same time going, oh crap, I can do that. Because there was this beautiful thing I could live under for the while. Like, you know, man, I'm indie and people just aren't going to get what I do, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, so I can't adhere to that anymore. Like, I have to raise my, um, raise the, the, the expectations for myself because now I can't sort of play the, hey man, I just write music that moves me. Yeah. It was like, wow, it looks like I do have an ability to do this. And so to not try to continue that to my rules, it feels a little lazy. It feels mm-hmm. like I'm kind of copping out. So writing for the new record, it was this. It was so funny because as, as as we were just saying, like I was like, man, I really need to make sure that like I'm writing the best stuff that I can. That I'm that I'm, you know, um, really challenging myself and trying to to not slack on this yeah. even after this much time but to really go, man, there's there's like you said, I've given away this stuff, so I have to write that much better than what yeah. I have. Which was really tough, but eventually, I think, worked well, you know. Let's get to bed early, sneak out right before the sunrise. We don't need all the good bads, we won't be gone for long. Oh, baby, don't worry, I hit away a little money. We won't need much, honey, not just to get us home. Was there kind of a moment or like a song or an album or just some, I guess just some kind of moment when you, you felt like a shift between kind of being a virtual unknown kind of indie guy to like, oh, people know like who I am now or, you know, like a tour or somewhere where more people showed up kind of in droves and... You know, is the only... Of, is there ever a shift? People always ask me that and I, I don't ever know because it's such so gradual usually. That's, that's well, you know, dude, to be honest with you, and I mean, this may frustrate a lot of people when I say this, but I think a lot of the great careers are gradual careers. I mm. mean, I think... Because I really believe that at the speed at which you happen tends to be the speed at which you don't happen. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's a little bit of that like, you know, yeah, you may be the flavor of the month and selling millions of albums right now, but you will... I mean, look at Gaga. Like, I was yeah. reading things on her. Like, her new record has has done miserable in comparison to her last record. Mm-hmm. So there is something that, like, yeah, meteoric literally still means meteoric. You still... Yeah, you the still, faster the climb, the faster the fall. That's exactly yeah. right. And And... So for me, it's one of those things that in those moments I can get frustrated because I feel like, man, you know, I feel like I'd love to feel like more people knew what I do. I'm like, you know what? It's I love the, the trajectory of what I've done. And I think 
it's because I haven't lost a lot of people. I, mm. I have for sure, you know, because you are. But it doesn't feel like it's been one of those like, um, you know, uh, oh, I'm seeing the same people all the time. It's like new, new yeah. faces and stuff. And I think to answer your question, the the, only, the biggest bump I saw was when I had God gave me a radio. There was a I, there was a pretty significant. Um, bump and it wasn't in thousands of people by any means mm-hmm. at shows obviously but it was like oh man I played here last time and there were less people than this by a hundred or two mm-hmm. you know and now and man they really know these songs or they definitely know that song yeah you know? and, oh that's yeah that's always interesting it's super I'd never seen that and I really didn't understand the power of radio until that and I think it was then that I went holy crap like Radio is obviously really valuable, and I see why people like it. It's because, man, it really does. It is it is you on tour via radio. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. you're out doing shows a song at a time in every city for little blips of time. And mm-hmm. if you're getting spun a lot, three and four times, you know, a day. Yeah. So it was pretty significant in, in the interest in what I did. And that, that, that has been really the most significant bump because the Blake thing was huge, but it didn't obviously affect me as much. Artist wise, yeah, did, you know, like um, uh, helping here in Nashville and, and meeting more people in the writing community that way. But and kind of what you said reminded me, uh, Conan O'Brien is a hero of mine, and he mm-hmm. he has this, uh, he has a philosophy on like how he sees his career as like tiling a floor, and he doesn't want it to be just one giant tile that lays down. He every, with every little sh- every show that he does, and through through the beginning, like all the different, you know, he was a writer on all these TV shows mm-hmm. and like working at The Simpsons and SNL and like having his own late night show and everything and doing this live show that he did a couple years ago and everything he wants to be good in its own contained tile and he went and, and you put it on the floor and then at the end of it you when you look at it you say like you, you see the whole trajectory of it and like mm. it was this was good like I'm, I'm laying tile I'm not trying to massively just throw a giant linoleum sheet over it right right <clears throat> so right. Like, he's like so he said he's never been worried about a giant like bump in success with with any you know right. kind of thing or being like he never wanted to be a flavor of the month. That's always a, a visual that I go back to. <laughs> yeah, like, oh yeah, for I, sure. Well, I want it, it helps remind me like to make every little thing that I do good and don't yeah. don't cut corners on yeah. anything. Yeah. Either because you know, if, especially because this day and age, somebody can access your stuff that, and they like it, they're gonna go to the back catalog, and you mm-hmm. don't want it to be, you don't want you don't want it to represent you know misrepresent you right in any right. shape or form right too. So and that's a thing that I'm more and more conscious with as the internet. I think the internet's going to stay around a little bit. It's we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> well, we'll see. I'm thinking it's going to be down by the end of this year. But that's it's true. Just, that's a bold call. Yeah. That, that, we're going to put it out there, though, and see what happens. Uh, I got a lot of, as you saw, I tweeted out this morning questions for you, and I got a lot of it, and I think we, we covered some of it. There were a lot. There were a few people who were very, uh, pro, very pro-Dave that you get the... Uh, the cred for God gave me you. Oh yeah. The, like people are like, how does he feel about Blake stealing a song? I'm like, I think he might have something to do with it. Well, you know, it's so funny. I think he might have. I ended up um, having to do like a little blog post on Tumblr mm-hmm. to address that. Like really? I kind of got into publishing and how that worked to give them credit. If you live in, you know, Iowa and there's no, no hint of music industry that would touch you within literally hundreds of miles. That it is what it looks like. Yeah. Cause at first I was like, Man, I don't understand why people are so frustrated. And I was like, you know what? I would, I get that. If I didn't have any, mm-hmm. g- you know, degrees of Kevin Bacon in the right. music industry, you'd think that happened. And so I literally put up a thing saying, "Hey guys, this is kind of music publishing and royalties and song ownership one on one. Yeah, like, oh, that was here's smart. how this works and here's what it looks like. And it was so cool because so many of my fans were like, "Dude, this is so helpful." Like support and, it. And we're so excited for yeah. you. What a great opportunity. Like if you and if you like me, like call in and request this yes. song. Like you know, jump on it because yeah. that, that only helps me do what I do yeah. more. Like yeah. Um, and so it's been funny because I've I, I it, that stuff obviously hasn't bothered me at all, and I've loved that. Uh, <laughs> That it's it's done what it's done, but um, it is funny to see people kind of. Well, I got like four or five of them, and I was like, "Oh, that's cute." (laughs) Like they're just like standing up for you. Like that's so that's so great. I get nervous because I'm like, and Blake is too much. He doesn't care about that stuff. No, no, no. But I I can get nervous because I'll put ad replies to Blake, and I'm like, "Oh, guys, don't do that." Oh yeah, you know what I mean. Like he seems like he he's probably figured out. How how is is he a super cool dude? He seems like it. You was funny. We said that we're gonna be in L.A. for the Grammys. (laughs) That's funny. I love how that stuff mutual, works. Oh yeah, we have a ton of mutual friends who have kind of been our conduits. But um, 
we still hadn't met face to face, which is pretty funny. Uh, I was told to ask you about your soap stardom. I heard you had an all all my children cameo or oh, something. Yeah. What, what is what's the story? Well, so, I hope I didn't make the show fail because like that same year it got canceled, which I was like, man, I you probably I did. The, it's I probably was, you. I was the black sheep. I, I was. We'll the, put that on your Wikipedia. I was tonight. the cannonball on the side <laughs> of the thing and finally took it down. Uh, yeah, that was hysterical. I I did an appearance uh, on that. I don't know when that was. Two years ago, maybe now. Um, that was really fun, and everybody on that show was so much. How did that come okay. to be? Like, there's somebody the, working uh, with I it. I just played at a thing in San Diego for a bunch of TV people. And okay. Then, and the guy who's their music guy at the soap was like, "Man, it'd be cool to have him on." And then, <laughs> or, or I used guy gave me you for a wedding scene, and then okay. like, why don't we just have him come on? And like play in the were you in the wedding scene? Is that mm-hmm. what it was? That's a trip. And I had line a line. You had a line. What was your line? Uh, this song goes out to the happy couple. Dr. and Mrs. Jake Martin. It's a wrap. That's it's it. It's a wrap done. It's a wrap on Dave Barnes, everybody. I was, yeah, it's I was like, thanks, guys. <laughs> of course, I had to do it 15 times. <laughs> yeah. So so it's ingrained. Oh, yeah. Uh, Derek Webb wants to know, how are you so awesome? <laughs> Golly. <laughs> I got a few of that. Uh, a couple of the Jars guys wrote the same thing. Of course. Uh, they wanted to know what... They know that Jars of Clay had a profound impact on your on your music, and they, but they want to know specific... Uh, of course I told them you know what's so funny about that world and and, you know we sit here and laugh but like and I've told Derek I don't know that I've actually told Derek this but you know the Jars guys I was able to again man you you talk to 19 year old Dave me too I mean I I, cavemans and Jars I was I mean I couldn't get enough of it and you know I did a run with the Jars guys Mm -hmm. last year and I had a lot of pinch me moments, and I told them that, and I even wrote a blog about the whole experience, just because. Was that the tour where they played their first album in, in its entirety, or they played like some, a lot of? They songs did a lot of. They did yeah. a lot of it. A yeah. lot of it, and and man, I was just sitting. They did an acoustic, which was so amazing, mm. and so like it just showed them off so well. Yeah. Because they, I think I'd forgotten their vocal abilities as a band, because you know you get like the new records are so rocking and, right. and great, but. You know, they kind of built their thing on that three-part acoustic, quirky, mm-hmm. coolest crap, you know. And they were doing that record, a lot of the record again, and it just was like, oh my God, I forgot how much this had to do with me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like, absolutely. And, and and one of my favorite records of all time, which I told them is uh, uh, If I Left the Zoo, that I love yeah. that record. And, and, we, and there was one afternoon where we were, they like, the stage is getting ready and we played uh, all of us sat in a room and played um, Famous Last Words which mm-hmm. is like one of my favorite songs yeah. and, and literally we got to the end of it and I was like guys I'm not, ready I'm not gonna be too cool yeah. for this moment that literally just made my year and they're all you know like they're friends of mine they're like you're a dork I'm like no I'm not yeah. literally like that that thank you for doing that that but was they so get cool. it though they, yeah. they're so cool about it and Derek too I mean you know yeah. like I, I the Cademans, and especially his offering to Cademans yeah. and what he did, Cademans, I was just, I'll never forget being a freshman in college and the girl that was, uh, I was involved with Campus Crusade for Christ at MTSU and the girl who was on staff had their, like, indie, indie first oh, thing Oh, their ever. first thing they put yeah, it in. Yeah, and, because she had a friend that, you know, this was obviously before internet and before, or right at the beginning of the internet. Right. Before any kind of music, was she like a guild member or something? You know, she wasn't, but she had a lot of friends in Texas who were Campus Crusade Texas oh, people. Oh yeah, yeah. And so she was like, she had a plane at a meeting, and I, I mean, it was a moth to a flame. I was mid conversation, I just walked over, and I was like, "What is this?" She was like, "Oh, it's this band." And she picked up the record, was like, "Cademan's Call," and I was like, yeah. and I remember just sitting in front of the stereo, like just kind of like yeah. I couldn't move. I was so like, "What is this music?" And was obsessed. I mean, obsessed, like just couldn't get enough of them and so it's so funny knowing him and you know I'm just like man life is so funny that way that you know again 20 year old Dave right now would be like wait they know you? Yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask is there anything that you you kind of done the songwriter thing and like and you're the artist this artist now and uh, is there anything like that you kind of see in the horizon that you you know we talk about comedy a little bit but is there anything like performance wise or artistic wise that you like like to try yeah. that you haven't done yet that's kind of like you know I love what you said about Conan and hearing that even today it, it really has sort of like um, helped me visualize it like I said that sort of visualize you know um, what I do because I, I really do agree with that I mean I, I think um, everything I do I want it to be a part of some bigger thing as opposed to 
this is what I do, period. Mm-hmm. And I think the beauty of Blake having success with that song is it lets me then reinvigorate a part of something that I love probably the most again and, and have a new, um, you know, have a new part of what I do, have a new yeah. look at what I do. And, um, and I don't know, you know, I think, I think I kind of go through these seasons where I'll get, uh, you know, I've, I've really wanted to do like, um, you know, stand up, which I did. I want to do that. I want to start doing that again. But, but things like that, things like, um, I'd still love to try acting to some degree, you know, and not in any huge scale, but just having friends that are starting to be successful in LA yeah. and going, Hey, can I do like a walk on and something? Yeah. Yeah. Sometime? Yeah. Or, there's, there's parts of me that are like that, but as you know, man, with, with uh, us just having our baby and life is already so spoken for, so I have to be really careful about the extra space that I do have, what to fill it with, and right. what's going to be, I don't want to say the most profitable, but the most worth my time doing. Exactly. You know, so, but, uh, but you know, God is so funny, man, because it's like the older I get, there's just these things that I don't even feel like I choose that, that happen that I'm like, this is so cool. Like, I don't know that I would have ever thought this would happen or that I would like it and I'm and it's now this cool part of what I do or or whatever so I'm, I'm kind of always open to things and I think the trick the thing that's so funny about the way my brain works is that you know I can get real like well that was fun and it's like dude you're 33 like there's still a lot of life to live you know exactly and I think some of that's a protection thing in some yeah. ways of like okay if I don't have expectations for it then if it doesn't work it won't break my own heart but I think at the other point it's like Especially the artist thing, I haven't done it 10 years. I mean, you know, I'm not in any way close to done. But I can already get like, well, we've had our best days, haven't we? Everybody's <laughs> like, what's wrong with you? You know, like. Yeah. Uh, That's so true. I get like that. I'm just like, I just turned 30. And so I'm like, well. That was a good it's run. It's only downhill from here. <laughs> because all the guys that I looked up to, yeah. like, starting out were all like, I was like, I have to do this while I'm in my 20s. Because, because so-and-so got signed when he was in his 20s. Or so-and-so got this thing. Everybody has their own journey, and you have to go. But you know what's so great about today, and I think this is one of my favorite things about 2012 is the fact that there, there's no roadmap for us anymore. You know the 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 Paul Simon, you know, go back Elvis Presley, but you know, work toward us. Even even the John Mayer, I think John is the last. He's kind of the last man standing, in my opinion, of those artists. I really do. I don't think we'll. What's the model? Well, what's that model? Well, just kind of that like hit, hitting on radio happen. and, and well, like, like he starts and it's small. He, you know, and it changed because Dave Matthews was really the first version of that because Paul Simon started on radio. Yeah, those guys didn't tour the nation and get signed. It wasn't yeah. like that happened. But but it still was the newest uh, was the newest thing of that. So mm-hmm. it wasn't an unknown entity. It was like, oh, this is how this looks now. It's still the same yeah. thing in this generation. And I feel like it's really not that like the the whole playbook has been burned because it's like, you know, with John coming up and doing what he did and me being the same age as him, I was a few years behind him and getting started. But, you know, playing the circuits, getting big, then got signed to an indie label who then got, uh, you know, Columbia stepped in right. to the, you know, helped aware get him on the major, and then he's tours and he's huge, and now he's John Mayer, and it's like, you know, I just don't know that that'll happen. It will. It'll happen in country and it'll happen in maybe even places like Christian music but in the in the mainstream it's just that they didn't like that anymore there's not money to mm-hmm. substantiate that kind of a career and so now you know uh, it, it, there's nobody that I can sit with this 33 year old singer songwriter who's done it for a decade and go hey what do I do now what's the other tiles nobody knows because the, it's the, the, it is literally uncharted territory we yeah. have landed on the corner of a coast of a continent that we don't know how deep, yeah. wide, long, it's true. safe, dangerous it is. And so for me, that's really overwhelming because I think, I don't know how this works. I mean, I don't know if this record's going to do well. If it does do well, what does that mean? What is the next step for me? If it doesn't do well, what does that mean? Uh, you know, so there's a lot of factors that I'm learning as I get older that I have to think about that I can't just go, man, I suck, nobody likes me anymore. But I also can't go like the economy's in the tank. And right. People are like, No, your shows aren't good. Yeah. You know? So <laughs> So I don't know. I think that's what's exciting for guys like you and I and, and a bunch of our friends here in Nashville and across the globe. But I think it's also really overwhelming because they're they're just not you can't you know, you can't look at guys like John anymore and yeah. what he does as a 15-year-old kid and be like, I want to do that. Because it's like, I don't even know you can do and that. And that's my problem, too, is when I, I mean, I was 19 when I realized who John Mayer was. And I was like, oh, well, I just want to do what he's doing. Yeah. 
<clears throat> and he in you know when that bottle is broken there's and there's no going past it like it's very it's frustrating you know and, and that's true like i can't and i think that a lot of people try to just model their career after uh, what whatever you know came before them and and i am i am guilty of it as well like it's so hard for me to take a risk unless there's precedent yes you know I'm like well that guy did it and survived so i'll do it and that's why hence starting this podcast and starting mm-hmm. like other things just kind of like what what are some other things that i enjoy doing and kind of come naturally and like how can i figure out how to like hone that and and the internet has afforded us this great thing to where you can kind of figure out what it is you do best wh- where, where's your niche and if people like it they will or people are also like that they'll find it because the avenues to find it are so clearly defined through you know twitter and facebook and youtube and all the yeah. different ways and p and word of mouth is being spread faster than ever uh the fact that you know, millions of people can sit and, and live tweet an award show. Like, but it's just trying to figure out how to harness that. And it does, like you say, like it's changing almost like every week. There well, you know what way. I think you're speaking to, and I've never said this out loud, but I do, I do wonder if there's some truth to it. I, I wonder if our job is as, as, as the internet, as mass dissemination, as social networking grows, we're not so much singer songwriters or, skit makers or right. we're creatives I think because I think you know I talked to a dear friend of mine a guy named Emerson Hart who was in a yeah. band called Tonic and Emerson was just talking about he's like you know I me mean, my life as a 40 year old creative dude is I've always got five, five fires going one is my songwriting one is my one is Tonic one is my solo career one is producing and one is something and all times I'm going to the fire that's putting out the most heat and then I look and another mm. fire's putting heat and I think that kind of sucks because you think, well, can I just be an artist or can I just be a songwriter or can I? And I think I've been dying that death in the last year a lot of like, man, I'd love to just do one thing. But the, in that, so you kind of have to die that. But then the beauty, the beautiful part of it is for people who really are creative, it's kind of fun because it's like the minute I get ADD and I'm like, man, I'm tired of being an artist right now. I can go, I'm going to go write for other people for a while. And then you know what? I have a bunch of skits I'd like to do. I should, let me put that, I'm going to do a yeah. little comedy tour. So I think that's the hard thing is that, as you said, the bottle has been broken. The sort of like paradigm has shifted of like, hey, there really aren't going to be any more Paul Simons and Billy Joel's. But you know what there are going to be is there are going to be guys like me and you. Oh, well, you know, he has a podcast and he tours and he also does interviews with artists. And he, or, you know, he does skits and he does right. music, but he writes for other people too. And it's And I just can't help but think if that's going to be the new artist in the broad sense of the word. 10 years from now it's mm-hmm. like oh you mean you have a bunch of stuff going because you kind of have to yeah like that that those days of like one thing being monetized yes is not quite as feasible anymore and that's always that's really that fits me very well and, and it's one of those things where I, th- I was trying to fit myself into other people's clothes for a long yes. time and it and it fits me well when i finally realized like oh I want to do, uh, you know, even when I was in high school, I worked three jobs. Like, because yeah. I, if I got burnt out here, I could go to the next one and, you know, I didn't have anything else to do. So right. I might as well make money. And so I, I was just working three different types of jobs. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, about, and I always love having a lot of fires going. So, yeah. it, you know, I, I think it'll just, that'll just be the new thing. And if you're a creative person, like you were saying, like, you're going to have a lot of avenues you kind of want to go down. And, and it's so simple. I basically, I mean, Apple alone has basically packaged it and made it so simple to do everything you want to do yeah. on your freaking phone. Like we right. can do everything in a center right. pocket. Right. Like that's insane. And but but to <laughs> encourage you, I, I'm I'm with you. I think I I've I've struggled, and I think anyone that's listening to this podcast hopefully can find some freedom in the fact that I think it it, it is hard to see. So and and maybe it's not broken. Maybe in a few years we'll see like man, all these guys and girls and bands came up the same way that I never thought people would again. Mm-hmm. But I, I've really struggled with that too, and I think especially with guys who are my in my peripheral as far as being the same age. Again, I'm a couple years behind them in sort of that class high school thing. Right. But you know, John and Moraz and all these guys who uh, you know I sort of know and have known because we're all the same age. Yeah, that has beat me up too. I mean, I, I think I've really struggled with feeling like God. These guys are like superstars, and I never here thought I am about that, doing yeah. that. But you know, the thing is, I never want again, and I said it already. I never actually wanted that though. You know, I, like. I liked writing more than I did being an artist, and I never wanted to be that busy. And so for me, I would choose not to do those things, even if it was saying yes to something, it was saying no to something else or vice versa. And so, you know, I, I think I had to realize a couple of years ago, like, wait, Dave, you don't want that. And I was like, oh, I don't, because I, I mean to be where I am. And in yeah. some ways, I've had to sacrifice things, which is feeling like, 
well, gosh, I'm not playing to thousands of people a night. But the other thing is like, but man, I love being married. And I love that we have a baby now that I don't want to miss a lot. And yeah. so I never want that. And, and yeah. I like to my friends in Nashville. And those were my priorities. Not And, and I'm not picking on the guys who, who did anything different. But for me, that was what I wanted. And I got it. Mm-hmm. But I think I sacrificed other things. Just like John and Jason, those guys, they wanted to be have huge careers. And they've sacrificed other things for what yeah. they got. And so... I think uh, I think I had to realize that there's a quote that I, I'm gonna get tattooed on my arm at some point that says uh, that I, I heard a woman say one time about mine she said you'll never be tomorrow what you're not becoming today, and so I think it, the idea is like you're not just gonna suddenly be something you know what I mean like you're not gonna like you've gotten to where you are yeah. because you made choices to be where you are even wow. if that was by saying no to things that's still meant you said yes to something else that you didn't know you were saying yes to so for me that's been a really relieving thought and quote for me it's like you know what i love where i am in the minute that i you know like c.s lewis says you know comparison is a thief of joy Mm -hmm. and i but but all that to say i agree with you and i think it's a struggle for all of us to be like to see somebody else not even those guys but just somebody that you're like why can't I be this thing that's like this? And I think the beauty is, and hopefully the freedom of this weird generation and time that we're living is, there's no more roadmap. There's no more why can't I be, because that guy will be something different in a year, or that girl will be doing a completely different job, or will have a new thing she's doing that's a podcast where, you know, and so I think that's kind of the beauty. It's really terrifying because it's a literally walking through the woods, swinging your machete, kind of going, I don't even know if this leads to a... I know. I don't know what I'm going to hit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think it's also for those of us who've got the maybe the uh, courage slash idiocy to do it, there could be great rewards because mm-hmm. it's like we're able to, to really see our creativity diversified um, and parts of ourselves that maybe we even know we had interest in doing suddenly come to life. And I think keeping that, keeping the perspective of the 15 year old self is a thing that I've, as a trick that I've, uh, it's been proved very useful for me. Like if, if you told 15 year old me that I would be where I was in the town that I'm in playing to the, the people that I'm playing to and like in the community of, of musicians that I'm in, I'd be like, I would have been so angry yeah. at myself. I would have stole yeah. my dad's car and run it into me. Yeah. <laughs> my gosh. <laughs> yes. Amen to that. Dave, thank you so much yes, for coming man, on. Of course. I really enjoyed this. Of course. And that's the show for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you would like to get Dave Barnes' new record, Stories to Tell, uh, you don't have to look too hard since it's released this past Tuesday. It is sitting pretty at number one on the iTunes singer-songwriter charts, which is awesome. Uh, so old Dave's going to be just fine, I think. Uh, but seriously, follow him on Twitter, uh, at Dame Barnes Music, as well as check out his tour dates at DaveBarnes.com. Uh, I know he's about to leave for tour uh, pretty soon and uh, support this guy is a good guy and uh, a great talent clearly and uh, as always if you have any questions or comments about today's show or previous ones uh, you can email who writes the stuff podcast at gmail.com or on twitter uh, follow us at who writes pod and uh, make sure and leave us some iTunes feedback as well. Uh, go to the iTunes page and uh, leave feedback, good or bad. I don't really care. Uh, it just kind of helps people find the podcast who might be interested in it. And lets iTunes know we're here, which is always good. You know, uh, I feel like I've been, I've been squatting on iTunes uh, couch for a while, and, and they've just covered us with blankets. And they don't know we're here. So let them know. Leave some feedback over there. Uh, and also, if you have a Facebook page, I've heard they're pretty hot and uh and popping these days, all the kids are jumping on the Facebook bandwagon. Uh, we have a Facebook group over there, as well as a fan page. If you would like to like that, that would be fantastic. Ugh, there's so much for you to do. So uh, thank you once again for listening. And once again, for who writes this stuff, I'm Nick Flora. Have a good week on me. Happy when it's possible. 15 minutes to rock.